1: I'm Thomas Mai And I'm Zancy Weber. The Craving Creativity Podcast is our cry for help. A way to help ourselves as creatives to talk about how we get inspired, how we create, but also how we deal with stress, mental illness, and everything in between. Now, if you're creative, you, like us, have most likely always been seen as the black
0: sheep of your family and always making different choices than what 90% of normal people might do. Uh,
1: Not going for the safe
0: choice, but always living a little on the edge. With
1: the Craving Creativity Podcast, it is our hope to create Create a safe space where we can talk about being creative. We want to build a community of like-minded creatives and help each other. Subscribe, email us, and be part of the creative journey. Welcome to Creating Creativity. This is episode twenty-two. My name is Thomas Mai, and I'm one of the hosts, together with my co-host Zane C. Weber. And we made it to twenty-two, and uh, we're not going to lie, saying we we had to reschedule this what three,
0: four times. I believe it was three times, but it was kind of like some significant
1: rescheduling. And that's because you've been busy <laughs> and I've been busy and constantly things just got in the way. And I've been the I've been the bad boy on this one. I had to push several times and I, <laughs> I had, oh, so have apologize. I said, oh, say it after Polish again. But today we're doing it. We're doing it. We're so here. We're on time, on schedule, getting one out of once a week, which is awesome. Um, If you're new to this podcast, this podcast is all about how do we make a life being a creative and also still make money? And how do we not get stressed about not having money while still being creative? Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm, those are the mm -hmm. issues we're trying to solve. And today we want to talk about being a fan, how it contributes to creativity. Is that the right way of saying? Because you came up with this idea.
0: Uh, Yeah. How being a fan can contribute to being a creative. Okay. Um. So, or creativity, your, ha- your creative process. Yeah. Because it's very hard. I would say it's almost impossible mm-hmm. to not consume media these days. Like, whether you're on the internet or not, or whether you like, I relax by consuming media, whether yep. it's video games or books or yep. comics or movies. Yeah. Uh, that's part of my relaxation ritual. So, yep. it's, it's, and i being a huge nerd always uh i always kind of rate whether i liked it or not of course um and so that's how i decide whether i'm a fan of something or not um
1: so you go in and you rate everything on
0: on sites or on letterboxd i do rate every movie that i see um but usually just in discussions with friends about books or comics or TV shows or whatever. So Letterboxd
1: is a... Yeah,
0: so Letterboxd is uh, kind of like a social media where you can log the movies that you're watching Ah. uh, movies that you're re-watching what you rate the movies you can write reviews for them and you can see what your friends are doing as well
1: and then you can go back anytime and see what you thought about something absolutely it Ah. gives you some very
0: interesting statistics maybe I should have started that about a thousand films ago (laughs) well it was it was very fun a couple years ago when I first started just going through all the films that were listed and going (laughs) I've seen that one I didn't like it I saw that one and I love that one okay yeah Mm, maybe I should check it out okay I'll put it in the show notes letterbox okay (laughs) good Um, it is yeah so i i find that when i'm creating something um it is almost intrinsic to i've and i've spoken about it on this podcast before when i'm creating something i almost immediately my first step is to go and consume surrounding media ah. so like particularly when i was directing the producers i watched every iteration of the producers yes. i could find yes. so that i could i could work with the audience uh, expectation yes, of what of course expectation and yeah no yeah and i think that that definitely <clears throat> that definitely plays more into the theater where you're reproducing of course or or you're you're reiterating a text yeah. rather than when you're creating something from scratch yeah. um but again a lot of my my personal podcasts have to do with reflections on media mm. um i have a fan fiction podcast which is not a particularly safe for work podcast. And I also have a Disney podcast where we, it was basically a debate podcast about which is the best Disney movie.
1: Ah, that's, um, that's good. Should we, link, should we link to these podcasts? Yeah, the absolutely. Notes? We'll yeah. put them in the
0: show notes. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so I think it's a big part of my creative process is observing and uh, and analysing what has oh. come before me and what I enjoy in text and what I oh. want to
1: include in my own work. So so let me ask you because you and I right before we got on here we have been talking about the foundation mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. new show from Apple TV it's Asimov isn't name? Uh, Asimov. 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 Asimov based on uh, Isaac yeah. Asimov's work exactly and we both like it a lot mm-hmm. okay so let's take let's talk about it so you were the 10th episode just dropped you watched it now you <laughs> like the whole thing so what do you do now to do you do anything? You go in and rate it on Letterboxd or you go so share I, it? or Because what do you
0: it's do? a TV show, yeah. it's not on Letterboxd. Okay. Um, okay. But what I do for TV shows is usually I talk to my partner, I talk to my yeah. friends, yeah. I've spoken to you about it yeah. because you you were the one that put me onto it, that yeah. was excited about it. Yeah. And you're the one actually convinced me to stick with it because yeah. after the third episode, I wasn't a huge fan. No, I, 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 fan. I, I was...
1: <laughs> <laughs> if one hasn't seen Foundation, it, it it jumps in time period all the time and it's very confusing. Yeah. It is very confusing but once you understand that it's a grand university, yeah, not university u- universe. <laughs> that you have to see the story over time, but it's, the yeah. characters are the same. Yeah, they keep being reinvented. Or yeah, once you get that, then you're <laughs> with it, right? <laughs> yeah. But,
0: well, once once you find the the rhythm of the storytelling, exactly. uh, and I don't think that it, it, that was it was very obvious in the first few episodes, but definitely by episode five, you found. Yes. they they found. Or at least I found exactly. what they were same putting here. across. Same here, same yeah.
1: here. and it's definitely worth giving. A shot. Anyway, it's a great and, show, and that exact
0: sort of discussion is yeah. something like, okay, so when we're dealing with a text like that, yeah, how do we either avoid that, or is that something that we actively want to try to achieve, mm-hmm. like keep the audience guessing until mm-hmm. maybe fi- halfway through the season, yeah, um, and I think. It's through comparison of the, the text that you are a fan of yes. that you is your first step to analyzing your own work. Yes. Because it's notoriously difficult to objectively analyze and break down mm-hmm. your own work yeah. because you know where it's come from, you know everything behind it, and viewing it objectively is, is difficult. Just for the for the fact that you're not objective, exactly. Um, so viewing it through the lens of other texts that you know very well, exactly, is is a great first step to doing that.
1: Exactly. All right. So because it's a TV show, you can't put it on a box, but you do share with other people. Yep. But do you go in and consume other media around? Because I know, I there's in the beginning of the, this foundation show there's an Apple podcast, I think, where people are discussing the show. I are you consuming that as well? I are you tend going to- not
0: to do. Okay. that all right i like to consume media separate from promotional material around yeah. the media so okay. i don't like watching trailers i don't like watching mm. uh like uh what is it called where the director's talking commentary yeah um that sort of thing i like to consume media for myself uh and then and then maybe if I'm really interested and really into it, I will go and consume that other sort of stuff. Okay, okay. Um, my particular brand of fandom is kind of saying I really like this. I think you would really like okay. it, and pushing it onto other people. All right, um, I. I'm a bad fan in that I'm not a fanatic. Okay. I won't consume. <laughs> so that's the thing. Like I'm a big fan of Isaac Asimov. Yeah. Um, and I consumed his his books way back when. Really? Uh, when I was first, when I first started reading. So like maybe like primary and early high school. Yeah. Um, and so I was... Uh, trepidatious about the foundation series because it is a huge story that I just couldn't see working in a television format and it is a little bit simplified and it is a little yeah. bit arch still but it that's I can see that that is how they have to tell the story Good. Um, and it. I think they are doing a, a decent Good. job of Fine. it um so it is an adaptation but it's still okay. still what it is yeah
1: Good. So speaking of pushing things onto other people, right? Yeah. So I pushed a, um, <laughs> we were playing a joke the other day and and I gave you a computer game that I like a lot. I pushed the game onto you <laughs> and you came in today, Monday morning, and you said, how dare you? How dare you? This is so addictive. <laughs> I couldn't sleep. I'm mm-hmm. dreaming about it. It is so good, this game. So it's called Faster Than Light or FTL. Yep. It's a very simple game, but a very ingenious game. So so now you're going to go out and push that to other people is that what you're saying or Absolutely yeah. the
0: the people that like that that kind of game yeah. I will definitely say you got to spread out. it through. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um because it is an ingeniously designed yeah. game yeah. with huge replay value yeah. played um and it for I think,
1: six years yeah, yeah
0: and I think that is what what that is what a game has to be to get me to be a fan of it yeah. is be able to go back and play it yeah. again and again yeah. there are a lot of really cinematic games like Mass Effect and whatever yeah. that have really intricate storylines and yeah. I don't get into that kind of game Got it. I like the kind of game where I can, where it is a game mm. where my brain has to switch into certain uh, modes of thought and processing, okay. and I engage with yeah, the game, solve that the way. You got to yeah. solve a problem, and solve a the problem they, rather they, than a story. Sorry if you're not a g- big fan
1: of games, but this game forces you to solve problems <laughs> right now, right? <laughs> lots, lots of cost, problems constantly. constantly. <laughs> so it's called Faster Than Light (FTL). I'll put a link in the show notes, and it's you can play it on iPad or PC or a Mac, uh, but not on your phone because it's it requires uh, more space real estate on your screen yeah all right so nothing about computer games okay <laughs> all right so um in 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 what made you want to talk about this is it because you want the fan to be a better consumer or do you want the creator to have a better relationship with the fan
0: honestly I'm interested in cre- how creators Interface Ah. with other texts. Okay, Um, and how because so my the top three list that we're doing today is like what are the properties that you are a fan of? Yeah, capital F fan hills that you will die on like this is a good text regardless of anything else that happens this is this is what i completely misunderstood that but sure (laughs) as always we've been very creative with our top three (laughs) all right um so i i think when it comes to when it comes to what i wanted to talk about is yeah the discussion of how how your what you like in media affects your creativity in relation to media so like obviously you're a film fan yeah. and you've worked in film you've yeah. worked in film production yeah. how has the films that you are a fan of affected the work that you've done in film
1: well of course you are massively inspired and the first director i work with who was also the writer he was totally inspired um and for the first film, which is called The 18th, i have talked about that before, it was inspired by um, Robert Altman's, what was it called? Shortcuts? Yeah, it was called Shortcuts, which is so it came out a couple of years before. He was massively inspired when he wrote that film. And the second film he wrote, which is called Possessed, I had a scene, a film called The Hidden, which is an 80s, mm-hmm. 90s film with Kyle McCallaghan and is it Tom, Byrne? I can't remember the other characters in the film, all the actors in the film, but... I told him about that premise, that story, and based upon that, he went home and wrote a script which became Possessed. So he was totally inspired by that. I think we discussed this before. What is it? Great um, uh, artists, great artists steal, right? I mean, it's... Yes. it's yeah. And so I think as long as you're paying homage... Good artists to, borrow, yeah. great artists That's true, steal. Yeah. yeah. So you get inspired. You can see what other people do, and you've got to check out... It's not the competition because Robert Oldman and, and the hidden words in completely different categories, but you can definitely be inspired by the works of other people. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's the thing. The number of filmmakers that I've spoken to who have said, in my film, I'm going to have this one long tracking shot because mm-hmm. I've seen this yeah. to, used to such effect yeah. in other films. I'm yeah. like, that is a form of fan. Yeah. Like, you are a fan of that cinematography and yeah. that choice and what yeah. it meant yeah. in the story, yeah. and you're trying to replicate that in your own text. Exactly. So yeah. a
1: famous shot, if anyone has seen the original Jaws with Steven Spielberg, there's this amazing shot... In the film where, I think he's the Roy Schneider, he's the guy on the beach looking out for the sharks, and there's a camera... Rolls towards him, but also zooms in at the same time. It's a very special shot, and mm. so many filmmakers have recreated that shot in others, other films, because it was so iconic and so special. Yeah, it's a little thing you know. Notice, <laughs> notice as a photographer, <laughs> cinema, uh, cinema photographer, maybe not as an audience, but it's a very special. Again, I'll find it in the show notes. Maybe post a YouTube link <laughs> so people can see how that one shot has been established in other f- films. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um,
0: and so I think when when we're talking about that, it is it is necessary to kind of delineate where being a fan ends and where being a creator starts yes. so, so figuring out how you're different to exactly. the media that you consume so that you are not just replicating it or 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 just like this already exists in the world why do you need to make it um and that's something that that is something that's plagued me for mm. a long time because i mean i think i've spoken about it on this podcast before the first creative writing i really did for myself, was fan fiction. Yeah, I wrote uh, an X Men story. Yeah, um, it was original characters, but it referenced the universe and what have you. Yeah. Um, and that is how I I kind of gauged my interest in creative writing mm. and how what I want to tell get across in a story. Um, I'm not sure where that delineation is. I can't tell you. Like, okay, you have to change it this much and Mm. not include this name or Uh, this concept before it is a new work rather than a referential work. Because like, I mean, uh, the the famous example is 50 shades of gray started as twilight fan fiction, Mm. but, it's not remembered as Twilight fan fiction no. and it doesn't really reference the Twilight no, universe so. at all. <laughs> so that's that's quite obviously a new text and I think people yeah. are willing to accept it as a new yeah. text.
1: But of course, if you go in and write about X-Men and use original characters, there are some intellectual property issues of and course, you can't go yeah. out and sell that and make money on that because somebody else owns but those characters. But if
0: you make characters that are just different enough... Oh, of course. Like, different names
1: yeah. and similar capabilities, absolutely. But in which
0: case is that... Poor form, yeah. rather than a creative expression, mm. and I think that is, I think that is something like, like that old definition of art is like I can I don't know how to define art, but I know when I see it or yeah. pornography. I yeah. don't know what it, <laughs> I, I can't define it, but I know when I see it. Um, this
1: is, uh, the film Underworld with Kate Beckinsale. Uh, yeah. Apparently, there was a lawsuit and they settled out of court uh, because they lifted so many. There was like thirty-seven different. I'm just making a number up here. It's probably not this right now. But again, I'll put the link in the (laughs) show notes. And so please correct me out there. Sorry. But there was a lot of stuff where the universe to build an underworld, which is a very rich universe, yes. which lifted yeah. up either a book or a game, I think it was. Okay. I can't remember yeah. what it was. But those people who created the original ones say, hey, this is too much. All these incidents here, 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 points that you've been inspired. And yeah. they had to settle out of court to release it and use it for all the rest of the, uh, the films. So something like that. So let me ask you a question again. Um, how about in fans inspiring the creatives, the, uh, the uh,
0: the, artist. Um, Definitely that it it works in that other way where like fans are going like, Oh, it would be so cool if this character could do this.
1: Thank you. That's where I'm going with my uh, top three. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Okay.
0: I think, and I think the more than ever with the, with the amount of interaction that we have on the internet these days between creators and fans, that can get really incestuous really quickly. Like, uh the the famous example is supernatural where there are there were there was two characters who were canonically not gay um but there there was a huge fandom who uh shipped them together who wanted them to get together um and they made it canonical at the very last episode and then one of them died um it was so it was kind of like and that kind of interplay like that wouldn't have happened if that fandom didn't push so hard for that and then see. Yeah. there were episodes where where they were sent into a parallel universe that was our universe where they were TV actors making the show about mm-hmm. their own lives. And I was like, it got really confusing. And I was like, I didn't enjoy that as someone who was watching the show. Mm-hmm. That for me was too self-referential to be, to be meaningful as a piece of media mm. um, because I felt like they were talking to people who weren't me. Okay. um uh, I've not seen supernatural but no. it sounds a little bit like lost
1: the TV show lost uh, uh, where um, yeah there were side stories forward stories and backward story and at one point they went into the alternative <laughs> universe and they were playing different characters and versions of themselves having different jobs yeah yep so yeah <laughs> which also is confusing for a lot of people I remember that
0: yeah okay yeah. uh so yeah I think but then there are great examples of that as well uh where fans have in, uh, have interfaced with with uh creators and like have actually inspired New work or, or yeah. new iterations of the same work or new stories. Comics do it all the time, okay? Um, because they they reboot at the drop of a hat. <laughs> so they're like, yeah, sure, we'll just have one character be king of the world for now, uh, and then we'll reboot later.
1: <laughs> so, uh, from an artist's point of view, obviously, if you are a company and you sell something to your consumers onto the masses, you need to listen to your. To your yeah, your consumers, you need to listen to your uh, your, um, the, your the buy the people buy and consume your product whatever you're making. But as an artist, are you obligated to listen to them, or should you not listen to them? Where's the fine line there?
0: I think it depends on the art that you're making. Yeah, I think if your art invites comment yeah. and interaction, like I think comic books do to such a degree that they like they do invite people to be actively involved in the stories and talk about the stories. Whereas I think p- things like cinema not necessarily because once a movie is made it's made but now we have the crossover of the like the mcu and the dceu where audience reaction to one text changes the entire Mm. direction of of the next text okay i think star wars is a great example of like the react the audience reaction to the eighth film uh totally changed, like they got rid of the director, they got rid of, uh, they changed the storylines around, they rewrote the entire final uh, episode of, of the of the, of the yeah. series.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um I, I, I do think that you're saying that, that people don't participate because I think that you could just go in and watch On Letterboxd, as you said, or any other <laughs> website where people definitely will comment on IMDb, Rotten Potatoes. I think that films are like any creative thing being happened is out there to be judged. Yeah. And everybody's a critic, right? Everybody has their own opinion, which they are completely entitled to. And I think that creating something, unless you do creating only something for yourself in your own room and that's <laughs> it, nobody, you know, we as creatives, we are meant to be judged. We are yeah, meant to be critiqued. Absolutely. And it's
0: hard. I think there is a difference, though, between creating a piece of art to be presented as a piece of art and creating a piece of art that is then... Uh, interfered with by fans. Cause you can appreciate a piece of art. Mm. Like I'm a fan of this piece of art, but then there's, that's very different to writing a letter to the, to the uh, creator and going like, I liked your piece of art, but it could have been better if you did this, 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 and this, and maybe in your next one, you should do that. Mm. I think there's a very big difference between appreciating a piece of art for what it is, whether you like it or not, mm. and actively involving yourself in the creative process, which whether or not like interaction with a creator is affecting the creative process. Um, Interesting. And I think that is where we get to the concept of toxic fandom, where Uh, the fans feel entitled to a say over a product. Yeah. Um, And that leads to um, a whole bunch of uh, situations where no one is happy. No one one is happy. Yeah, yeah. Because they're they're within fan. Again, I'm, I'm, In my head, I'm referring to Star Wars, where there's a bunch of different factions who like we want things to change, but we also want it to be exactly the same. So please, please do that. Okay, how many how many
1: (laughs) how many Death Stars have they blown up in those nine films? A lot. Okay, how many (laughs) planets, how many bases, how many big ships have they blown up? I mean, it's the same formula. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that is
0: that that is where I draw the line because I am a fan of a lot of things, but I don't think I would ever see myself as interacting with. Well, my, say my top three because I have three properties in my top three that I I would never feel I had the, the say to interact right, with well, the creator.
1: Let's talk about that top three as obviously I have gone a complete different direction than you, <laughs> but that's that's fine. I guess we're very creative about our... If you haven't listened to this podcast before, what, what happens is we, use, we take turns coming up with a topic and then we come t- take turns saying, Okay, these are the top three things. And I don't think at one point we've all got it right. <laughs> we always miss. We we, ha- we did deliberately- share an answer a couple of times. Oh, oh yeah, we have. That's true. <laughs> but, but mostly we either deliberately or non deliberately are doing take something a different com- Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what being creative is all about. Absolutely. Right? So there's no wrong answers here. Okay. <laughs> do you want to go first or do you want me to go first?
0: Sure. So yep. the first two of my top 3 are problematic. Yeah. I'm a fan of these things yep. and they are not perfect. Okay. The creators are not perfect. The first one, I'll go Disney. Yeah. I as a child in Australia growing up at the time that I did, I was exposed to Disney and Disney movies were kind of the go-to of child entertainment. Um That hasn't really changed for me. I think Disney do put out a lot of quality work that has a lot of quality effect. I know that Disney is a bad company. Like they are, they are consuming. They're purchasing everything, and like definitely now they're dominating. They're, 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 yeah, and and through that dominance, they are enforcing a kind of uh, cookie cutter approach to filmmaking which i don't appreciate okay i agree with you
1: Um, they're they're being i wouldn't say monopolistic because of course lots of other films comes out but when you start owning pixar (laughs) all the films that pixar made you start owning 20th century fox in their library you have the marvel universe you've got the star wars universe i mean when when
0: a disney movie comes out and you can pick each different plot point because it's just the same it's the same rhythm Told yeah, with different the characters. Hero's it's 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 a yeah. well it it is it is the hero's journey, but yeah. it's like it's one particular aspect of the hero's journey isolated and Disney know that knows that that, knows yeah. that, that works. Yeah. And having gone to Disneyland, um, I think Disney does a great job of manufacturing this kind of like light-hearted happiness, nostalgia mm. um that that is in baked into the people who grew up with them as a child and kind of carrying that forward into the future. And the way that it just kind of removes all anxiety, you don't have to worry about tragedy at an end of a Disney movie Mm. Um, because even if there is a tragedy at the end of the Disney movie, it's going to be heartwarming in some way. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I'm a fan of Disney and I'm not a fan of the Disney company, but of the Disney texts. Uh, definitely pre two thousand and fifteen. I think I'm I'm pretty almost all Disney movies. Mm. I'm, I'm a I'm a I would say I'm a fan of. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Disney is <clears throat> definitely something that has changed the way that I view text and storytelling. Um,
1: but Disney, even of course, the films original. They're not. Really original, of course. They have no. been inspired by someone else, right? Yeah, so absolutely.
0: Well, the, so the, Frozen, all
1: the, Frozen, all the big ones are based on fairy tales, which exactly. are hundreds of years old. Yeah. So, <laughs> Hans Christian Andersen, Frozen is the Ice Queen, the Little Mermaid, and so forth and so forth, and all the different stories from different regions of the world is also inspired by local. Yeah. So they are going in and finding a story that that resonates, that has proven its time.
0: But even even the Ice Queen, like they they took that story and then they disneyfied it like the oh, story totally. is and like little mermaid horribly tragic tale disneyfied so oh the, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah that that is again like uh Walt Disney was a fan yeah. of these of these course. stories and yeah. so he took inspiration and and so that that is something that will run through all three of my choices yeah. is texts that are based on the creator being a fan of something else got it all right yeah, well, so definitely
1: disney Alright, so I went a little different direction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was more about I was more about the intersection between fan and an artist, how they can inspire one another. Okay. And how they can yeah. work with one another. And I got three examples here, and hopefully you're gonna like them as well. So the first one is our great friend Fabio Safaginini, I think his name is. I'm uh, probably pronouncing, probably pronouncing it wrong. You <laughs> might not have heard of him, but he did something very unique. So he is Italian living in a, in, a, in a part of Italy, Cessna, I think it's called, and uh, Cicena, I think it's called. And uh, he was a big fan of Foo Fighters. Okay. Do you know where this is going now? No. No. <laughs> so he's a huge fan of Foo Fighters, and he wants Foo Fighters to come and play where he lives mm-hmm. in his town. And so he comes up with this idea of getting a thousand musicians to play one song for Foo Fighters. Okay. Learning to Fly. (laughs) And you're not familiar with this? I I have heard of this story now, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. okay. So he goes in and he spends a year every day he's working on this project to play this one song with a thousand musicians who come from all over Italy. And to make this video and send that to the Foo Fighters to tell them to come. And of course they respond and of course they come and play and Fabio becomes his hero in his own little story. Yeah, He gets up on the stage at the concert and it's just... I. Things like that where people spend time, energy, and money, and resources doing something they're a fan of, it, it, it restores my faith in humanity. It does. It's yeah, like, absolutely. It's inspiring. I get a tear in my eye. I think it's amazing and getting a 1,000 people to sing and play drums and playing guitar. If you haven't seen the video, I'll put a link in the show notes. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's touching. It's moving. And Fabio is just a, a big fan of Foo Fighters, and they showed up. Absolutely, and so that's a great example I, I love of fan service. Exactly. Yeah. So I love this. And I think it was seen by 58 million times. There's this a YouTube video, the, at least the clip I just found today. But I like to, I love that interaction between a fan, because if you are the Foo Fighters, obviously you yeah. are a superstar, right? You are <laughs> the one percenters in the music industry because you're touring and making lots yeah. of money, right? And then this small region in Italy, how do you reach? How do you get through them? Well, you do something creatively yeah. that inspires them, that they will notice it. it like like he says, Fabio he says we know a lot of people will watch this, but I only made this video for five people. Yeah, and this, of course <laughs> the members of Foo Fighters, right? Anyway, that interaction that inspires me. I was just very happy about that. So oh, absolutely, uh, uh, and
0: that's that's a great way. Of, like obviously, he's not. Oh, maybe he is a musician, but he's like you know just playing a song and, and yeah. covering it isn't going to get is, isn't going to get the attention.
1: <laughs> Sitting at home with a guitar and and and, 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 and 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 crooning your heart out to Dave Grohl is not going to cut it. But yeah. this did, and he went viral around the world as it should. So amazing story. I love that.
0: Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. My second pick is Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, I like guy. <laughs> all but one of his movies. Well, I I love all but one of his movies. Yeah, um, it's hateful eight. You don't like, right? Is it? No, it's oh. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh yeah, um, okay. and like I forgive him the gratuitous feet shots. I forgive him the the questionable uh, use of uh, accents and slurs um, because the stories that he tells are so well crafted yes and he is uh, so uh, in tune with the text that he is referencing Mm. and that he is a fan of that he is pulling into his own work Um, my favourite of these is Kill Bill one and two yeah, and that all both of those movies are just just references with original characters in a script Yeah, Um, it is something that I've never seen anyone else do to the Mm. same degree of mastery yeah um that being said, I don't think Quentin Tarantino is a particularly good person or that I would particularly get along with him if we met each other. But I think his work, yeah. aside from that, oh. is is really,
1: really at the pinnacle of what it could be. What's amazing about him from a Hollywood point of view is that mm. he managed to make independent film, original independent film, which is very hard these days, you know, mm. MC, Marvel Universe, right? <laughs> but he managed to make... I wouldn't when I say independent, I do with you know. I mean, it's not really independent, but it is because it's independent storytelling. But it still maximizes box office. It's a very very hard thing to do because if you normally make an independent film, and I don't mean independent in the studios, because of course it's got the backing of the studios. But what they allow. Him to get away with, yeah, no one else would get allowed. To no get away. one has the control no. that he does exactly. over the film, so yeah. he's allowed to do with stuff that no one else does, and he still delivers box office results, which is amazing. So, yeah. it, it's a testament to that you can't be original, you have to fight your way to get there. But once he did Reservoir Dogs, which is his first yes. film, yeah, and then after that, was uh, what was it? What he made after that,
0: uh, Pulp Fiction. Well, was oh, oh no, I think Jackie Brown, then Pulp Fiction, okay,
1: and then. Because once he hit those films, and again, Reservoir Dogs, it was so different and so obviously very Japanese-inspired by all, and, yeah. and and Hong Kong films, and, and what's his name out of Hong Kong, the director? Oh, I can't remember right now. That's a little bit embarrassing. Anyway, he's very inspired by them, and he goes and pulls this thing off. And So it is testament that it is possible, but yeah. it's very, very hot. I mean, 99.9% people don't do it, but he did it, and yeah. that's, that's impressive. So and I think that's the thing.
0: That. Like You need... Tarantino had the talent and the opportunity to showcase the talent and then the verisimilitude to stick to his guns yes. to make it. And then when once he had that reputation, he could leverage that yeah. ongoing.
1: He, um, he still had to go and convince uh, yeah. producer, investors. Because Reservoir Dogs, although it was shot on very low budget, it yeah. still had to be Made and yeah. still had to be pulled together, and he did. And so, and he had
0: to sell scripts before that, and like yeah. he had to compromise, like because yeah. he, he wanted to direct and exactly. whatever, and he couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, uh, I think Tarantino, the texts of Tarantino, are one of the things that I will die on the Hill. Yeah. that's to, good, yeah. man.
1: The second, my second is a guy called Marc Rebier. I think I've talked to him about to you before. Marc Rebier is a little bit of a YouTube mini star, he is a American but he's, he's he got a French last name, Rebier. That's how I pronounce it. And he has amazing fan interaction. So he <clears throat> creates songs right there on the spot, right in front of you. Mm. And he goes and does concert, he did before the pandemic. Yeah. And I'll link to one called Amsterdam, where he's in it. He, he's, a, he's got a very <laughs> crazy style. He will appear in a bathrobe, only wear <laughs> underwear. He will come with obscene remarks and do funny stuff. But he's inspired by the audience, and the audience will shout him a word or a text or a scene, and he'll create a song around that, yeah, so okay. he takes fans who show up to see him be creative create something on the spot. he takes their words and he turns into a song, yeah, and it's so simple but so powerful and so moving and he's a phenomenal uh, musician, and he basically has a keyboard and he's able to replicate any sound and create any instrument with his keyboard and he just makes amazing things i I'll, I'll if you're not a fan now, you will be afterwards. I'll I'll link a couple of YouTube videos to. He is amazing. I I really like him. I YouTube think,
0: is an amazing phenomenon oh, of just, because you are constantly interacting with fans. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And, and so he during the pandemic he had these shows where people would call in and give him words and then he would make music because mm. he just needs to create all the time. Yeah. And lately he's been having these people over who just come and rap with him or sing <laughs> with him and they came up with this just on the spot these amazing songs you think he's recorded in the studio who's taking months but it's, they come up with on the spot and it yeah. is phenomenal he is i'm um, yeah i'm very inspired by him i'm not of a musician myself it yeah. but it's just amazing to see that interaction between fan and an artist uh who's blown who's blowing up on youtube yeah. absolutely yeah um my final one which
0: is uh a writer who definitely is could be argued is writing fan fiction yeah about mythology yeah. and it's uh neil gaiman um so he wrote American Gods. Yes. He's also done Sandman and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Um, but this is Neil Gaiman is one of my I guess one of my idols in in a creative sense in yeah. that he is he engages with fans in a very wholesome and meaningful way without ever making it feel like he's pandering to an audience. Like Mm. his texts feel well thought through and have a very distinct flavor of his own writing Mm. while still um, reaching out to an audience in that is not in a way of them uh, influencing how he, how he Mm. writes. Um, So I'm a big fan of Neil Gaiman and in particular his, his books, American Gods, but big fan of Sandman as well. And Mm. all of, most of his stuff is referencing uh, folklore or mythology that has come before, and he's reimagining that in mm. in some sort of way. I've never read him. I should check him out. Yeah, I show. highly recommend. Yeah. All right, I'll definitely again put the links in the show notes. Yep. All right, good. Well, it has been made into
1: a TV show as well, which is fairly
0: true to the books early on, is but it has the, put is it away. that the
1: Amazon show? Yes. Yes. Yeah. With um, what's the two characters? Oh, Martin Michael Sheen and. Former Doctor Who, what's his name? I'm not sure that it's the same thing. Are we talking about talking something about? else? I'm talking about a different show. Uh, no, maybe. yeah. Yep. Sorry, I'm confused. Here. <laughs> we'll put in but the show we'll notes.
0: Put it in the show notes, and you can go there to yes. check what. It's so, yeah. so what is your what is your final direction? So, my
1: final one, staying on that path between the fan and artist, is the interaction is a tool that was invented about 10 years ago, I think it is now, is Patreon. I just think you should give shout out to Patreon. That yeah. is giving a vehicle to support independent artists um, yeah. to give them money for the work they do or for artists who are struggling to go out and say, hey, support me in what I do. And this is the reason why you should support me. Just don't ask for money, but say, if you give me this kind of money, I can do this, this, and that. I mean, yeah. you explain why it's important to support you, not know, just ask for money. But
0: It is it is the best case scenario of microtransaction. Yes. Which is like, yes, I, I, can, love it. I
1: can't afford to
0: buy a, buy a $30 product from you every month, but no. I can afford a dollar. Yeah. And, and, have and if, five dollars and or ten if a thousand people yeah. Yeah. give a thousand dollars a month then i'm I'm assured yeah. that
1: you're going to continue creating yeah. so I just want to shout out to Patreon. I think it's great what great what they're doing and i I love that it, that service exists and it's good for artists and fans so and and it is
0: inspired a whole bunch of other different different uh i uh, different services that are along the same lines yeah. but have different things, so yeah. like coffee and and what have you but yeah, yeah. absolutely um patreon kind of revolutionized the maker market, Mm. the creator market. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Awesome.
1: That's it. It's always been, been yeah, I think it is. (laughs) Um, As always, if you like this, please give us a five-star review, Uh, put a comment in, if you are on some of the podcasts where you can. Uh, We have an email address in the show notes and we also have a Facebook page now. You go in there, we post the pictures uh, and uh, we post uh, the episodes there. And um, I have, we took some pictures the other day of us so people can see what we look like. Yep. So we're going to put them. I smiled for it. (laughs) Thank you very (laughs) much. (laughs) I'll put some pictures up because it's always funny when you, you, if you listen to someone and at one point you're going to go, what do they look like? I mean, you're, I don't know if somebody's out there listening to this, but he's like, what do people look like? So I always, I always have to find out at some point if I start listening to someone for a long time. So. Yeah.
0: I don't think I look like what I sound like. Same you. Yeah. Same yeah. Do I? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Nobody uh, does. Expect- but I would like to know what your favorite fan fictions are. Yes. Or what your
1: favorite, like, uh, text that is inspired by something else is inspired by something text. Or how you've seen fan contribute to creativity but yep. between fan and artist. I like that that space there.
0: So yeah, cool. what's your favorite fan service moment? Yeah. Thank
1: you. Saying it's always a pleasure. Next time.